podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Five Year Plan Extra Podcast. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Miranda Jane Photography for professional, unique photography of weddings and more. Go to MirandaJanePhotography.co.uk. And we're recording. This is the post Brighton uh, podcast. We're recording in my car. Out squeeze, isn't it? It's a little bit. It's not a big car. I don't, yeah, I'm not a rich man. Skippy it just gets me from A to B. Okay. Um, in a car park by the Amex, which I hope they're not going to close in the next uh, 15 minutes. And I've got a Skippy Windsor. Evening all. <laughs> and Jesse Voice. How you doing, JD? I'm all right, mate. Well, I'm doing better than you. Let's talk about that because you were one of the fans that was not allowed in for the first 45 minutes. Um, right. Talk us through what happened there. Your car feels like a lux- luxury space compared to what I've had to endure. <laughs> I mean, so I was at Brighton, Brighton Station in good time. There's just a huge mass of people there trying to get on trains. That wasn't the problem, but the problem was when we got to the stadium, hell of, right. <laughs> hell of a lot of uh, police barriers at every possible uh, way to the away end. Yeah. So by the time I got to the away end, I thought, right, it can't get any worse than that. When I got there, just as the match was kicking off, must have been at least three, four hundred Palace fans there with tickets. But the doors were shut. The p- two horses came in, and they slowly kettled everybody. Um, I went. I was busting for the loose. I went up to the coaches. Went for. A, Went to relieve myself, <laughs> came back down the steps, at which point they started kettling everybody and the police wouldn't let me get off the steps because the police dogs were there, at which point there was about 30 stragglers left. There was a pregnant woman there oh and they let the stragglers in because it was perceived to be safe at that point. From what I can gather, they weren't letting people in because people had rushed the doors with, without tickets. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they said. Um, so this so, was half time when you got let in, but this was before mm, the game that you got there, and, and it was still obviously t- you weren't being let in. No, so I think one thing that stood out was when I was on the steps and wasn't allowed to get off them. A lot of the Palace fans that were being kettled were singing, "We want our money back." And I looked, and literally at least a hundred people had their tickets in the air. Yeah. So just to prove a point that they weren't troublemakers, so there was yeah. a lot of ticket holders visibly being kettled, weren't even being listened to. It's a shambles, really, because we were told before the game, obviously, no one will come in without ID, without tickets and stuff like this. And uh, I don't understand how fans, if that is the case, and we don't, obviously we don't know what happened, how you can in this day and age uh, rush the, the ticket. <coughs> the, the, you know, it's not like the 70s with like turnstiles. So how do they do that? Well, yeah, because usually you get checked for tickets before you're anywhere near the stadium. So I mean, I've lost two of my mates, Guy and Ed, were in that part that were kettled. So I feel bad for them. They weren't at the game. Not that they missed much, but... <laughs> You know, there was, it's just absolute shambles. I don't know what Sussex police, I don't know what Brighton security were thinking. No, there well, was, but Brighton stewards with radios 
who said they didn't have radios. And it's like, well, you, you have one. Like, why aren't you communicating? There was absolutely no organisation. If you, I asked several policemen, what do you think is going to happen here? Like, do I need to, is it worth me leaving? Yeah. And they said, if I told you, I'd be making it up. Like, they literally did not know anything that was going on. I'm sure there'll obviously be like an inquiry. In, in, were you caught up in it, Skippy? No, fortunately, I think I'd managed to get on the last decent train to get in. Um, but yeah, you know what Jesse's saying, they've had since the fixtures were released in June to yeah. plan for this. It's not like it's suddenly sprung up on them. It's a Tuesday night game. Uh, they knew how many were coming down because all the tickets had been sold sort of thing. They knew what direction fans were coming from. You know, um, People have taken time off of work, have put annual leave in, they've yeah. booked hotels, train fares. You know, it's, um, I, you know, I don't like to use this word often, it's, it's, it's just tin pot, isn't it? It's what you'd expect you know, from one of these like horrendous Christmas grottos that you read about in the mirror every year where someone organises this perfect sort of thing and it's not as it's advertised and it's just you know, a, a donkey <laughs> in some you know, a shit of tarpaulin over it. Yeah, but and, you know, about the game this, later. It's one of the best stadiums as they claim it to be in, in the Premier League and you know, it was in the Championship in a really nice stadium and they just can't get the fundamentals right of getting people in a stadium to watch yeah. a game and then getting them back out. It was a nightmare getting back out for us. You know, you kettle for half an hour, which happened last time we were here in the league. Um, and you just wonder, you know, this, is, this isn't new. This isn't the first time you've played a game of football at this stadium. <laughs> no. It's yeah. kind of been around for five years. You've had time to and get... And this is Premier League football now. You know, these things should be absolutely sorted. It feels like the police are just trying to earn overtime. They're literally like on the steps, stopping people from like exiting. It just didn't seem to make any sense at all. I mean, I just, it just feels like total shambles. I don't know what they're trying to achieve. Um, people have bought tickets. People have travelled. It's a, it's a night game. Like I know we're not far away, but people are taking time off. No one's going to... don't want to travel this way, waste your money and not see the game. Yeah. There's no excuse for that. They should be doing everything they can to get everyone inside the stadium. Even though the game will come to it was actually pretty terrible. Um, obviously, then there was smoke bombs let off during the game from the away end. I counted seven smoke bombs, <laughs> which is nearly as many goals and points as we've got this season. But that's even more frustrating when you've got fans like Jesse and his mates not getting in and people legitimately with tickets. And then, assuming because you know we've got these rigorous searches and stuff and checks and that, and then you've got people getting in with, with smoke bombs. It, yeah. It's really frustrating, isn't it? Given the kind of current geopolitical you know, situation going on in the world, the last thing you really want to hear at a sporting event is bangs and yeah. claps and all yeah. of that. And, they and, you could tell, and you could tell the players, I mean, I remember watching, you know, I was, you know, three rows from the front and I saw Duffy almost, you know, crap himself. Yeah, well, they're really off. loud and they, they happen. Are. They're You're not expecting them. Uh, you know, I understand why people do it. It's to create an atmosphere. It's to, you know, no pyro, no party mentality. But just given the way things are and given the fact that, you know, we've got 400 fans outside, I'm not saying it's the reason why they weren't let in, but if the police are holding fans back from not going in yeah. and we're letting off flares and bangers and smoke grenades or whatever in the ground, the police are probably going to turn around and go, well, I'm not going to increase the risk of that yeah. happening. Because there, that. Could be, there could be only one person out of that 400 that's kept outside. But, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, you're right. Saying that, they were, they were going off at the point at which it felt like they were deciding what to do and it didn't help because it yeah. was the first 15, 20 minutes of the game. So... Yeah, it didn't help. But it, just, it just it felt a bit crazy the amount of security, the numbers they had yeah. outside. Yet freely, that kind of thing was happening in the stands with that people turning, batting an eyelid. Yeah, it just felt disproportionate. It's like what, just what are they trying to achieve at any point during the whole process? Yeah, I do not know. 
And the thing is, all that, the fans being kept out, the, the, the smoke bombs, everything led to a weird kind of sterile atmosphere inside the ground. It didn't feel like a Palace Brighton derby at all, did it? Not at all, no. I mean, I was quite surprised. It didn't feel like there was a huge amount of momentum from the crowd or on the pitch. It was a bit slightly odd. I'm Not that I saw the whole game, I saw 45 minutes. <laughs> there, was, there was definitely like a, an air of fear in both sets of fans, and it kind of, I think that translated to the way teams played, you know, no one was willing to make that that risky pass, that risky move to really settle it. You know, and both teams had chances. You know, Benteke Zaha with that double save from Ryan. Yeah. You know, a Loftus Cheek curling one, and um, Hennessy made a couple of decent, you know, but routine saves. But yeah. we didn't really. Neither team really tested the keeper or that back line enough, um, yeah. which we'll probably come on to, and that kind of translated in the fans it was, it was a lot of frustration because you know we felt like oh if we could just do this that would get the crowd going and then yeah. that's what we need one goal and that you know that away end would have gone we saw how it was when Zaha scored in the in the playoff semi-final yeah. how crazy the scenes were and it just needed just needed like a, a spark an inspiration you know Zaha or Townsend to do something to get the crowd going it, it we just almost like we were waiting for it but it just didn't feel like that was going to come to me like Zaha had an off day I think he almost let the jeers and the boos sort of get to him a little bit didn't they yeah there was the, I mean I, it feels it feels to me that, that Roy didn't really exploit Brighton's weaknesses with Bruno I just really feel like he was given an easy ride I think if you're going to play I think this is starting to I, mean, I said it to Roy's face when I bumped into him play Ruben in the middle Roy and he said oh, I'm not sure about that but when all these, the problem is when you do when it comes to the crunch, if you play a midfield player out on the wing, he will drift inside. Yeah. Whereas those that fullback who's about the same age as Murray, he's like thirty four or something, should yeah. be should be tested. Yeah. And I think Wilf drifting into the but maybe Roy's seen that Wilf scored two goals against Brian at the Amex from a central position. Yeah. But what he needs to know is the only reason that Zaha stepped up into that uh, role that day was because Murray was crocked yeah. and we had Wilbraham like, it was like Zaha had <laughs> no choice <laughs> Roy Zaha had no choice but step up and turn from a boy into a man that day <laughs> doesn't mean he's going to do it again yeah. like Zaha should be we should be stretching that team wise and I just feel like it, Zaha was a little bit blunt uh, he made the team blunt by not Spiking exploiting that yeah as well in the fact that he, you know he, he, the goals that he got last season were from Townsend whipping it in that goal against Leicester, the cross from Zaha against Middlesbrough away sort of thing. You could recall all these ones that have come from crosses from either deep or shallow. They've all come from, you know, he's one of the best headers of the ball. Yeah. Um, and we're playing the ball up to him and he's looking wide sort of thing and he's got Loftus-Cheek that wants to come within the confines of the 18-yard box. Townsend's wanting to get on the ball and influence it and coming in the same way because, and we're just narrowing the pitch. Yeah. And then when we're getting hit on the counter, you're looking at, our fullbacks of Ward and Schlupp, arguably the two weakest areas. Although I'll give Joe Ward some credit today. You know, I thought he did rather well. He did the basics well. They're getting isolated two on one with a fullback that's getting the ball and you know Knockhart or Gross or whoever it was. You know, so I think by playing those two wider in Townsend and Zaha, you keep their fullbacks back. That if they do get the ball back and hit on the counter, it's just one on one, and then you've got to back. You know, Roy's just got to back his fullbacks to, to 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 deal with it. But by playing so narrow, you're giving the fullbacks the chance to you know double team the weakest area of our yeah. 
of our team. And, you know, we weren't caught out today. Well, but... We weren't, because I thought every time Brighton went forward, especially in the second half, they lacked so much quality. Like, they went forward and Izquierdo was tricky and so was Knockhart, but there was no final ball from any of them and they didn't even look confident. So, in a way, Wardy and Schlupp both did OK, but they didn't really have a lot to deal with. That Brighton team actually hasn't got a lot of quality, has it? No, I think that... Knockout had a bit of urgency about him. He was annoying because he looked like he'd sort of, with full arms stretched out, pushed Schlupp off the ball, didn't get that call. But if we'd seen a player like ours from our side doing that, we would have been happy just to see that sense of urgency that he had. So, And he was playing that wide. He was doing what we needed to do. I think that the sort of, there's a myth with Benteke that all he can do, or, we, or the only way you can play when he's up front, is put it to his head and get him to put flicks. And I understand Zaha keeping close to him from that point. If you look at the way that Balassi and Zaha used to play off Murray when he was the target man. Murray would hold it up and put it into one of those outlets, then run into the space, into the box, and get on the end of it. That's how he scored 30 goals for us. Yeah. And I think we need to start using Benteke, mix it up a little bit, not just get him to so flick Benteke it Benteke won't do that? Well, he's a target man. He's got, he's, he's got the, the kind of uh, presence to be able to do more than flick it on, you'd like to think, for 30 million quid. Yeah. But putting Loftus-Cheek behind him as well, you're going to push him further forward, so he's going to want to do that because, you know, you feel like he's one of those players that if he hasn't had a touch of the ball, you know, people will call him lazy because he doesn't run around like a Wickham would do or, or, or you know, strikers that have, you know, probably less quality. You know, Campbell would run around all day long sort of thing. Wilbs. Wilbs, yeah. <laughs> love Wilbs. Wilbrahimovic. But you feel he, if without the game, he's dropping deeper and deeper and deeper to collect that ball. What you want is someone behind him going, right, you are going to stay on the, the confines of the 18-yard yeah. box. You're going to occupy two centre-halves, right? Any knockdowns that go to the ball, you know, back, I'm going to pick up, Loftus-Cheek. Anything that goes wide, you've either got Townsend on one wing, Zaha on the other wing. As soon as you flick it, run back in. Yeah. You know, we played like that with Garvin and Maritz behind Murray, sort of thing. <laughs> uh, you know, it, might be, it might have been championship level what football sort of thing, but it worked, uh, you know. And there was a reason why we played two holding midfielders to mop everything up and let those four run. And, you know, Holloway came in, but he didn't change the team that much, did he? He kept what Friedman did. Yeah. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I'm not saying we should get back any of those players, but it's that concept of... Um, giving Benteke an option of going right or left or dropping off with someone nearby rather than just hopefully flicking it on and hoping that Zaha's somewhere in next to him. Because he won, he probably won about 50% of the balls today. Yeah. But I think zero of them actually went to one of our players. Yeah. And you can't really knock him for that because all he's doing is trying to get a knock on. Knock, knock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, let's hear from Roy then. This is what he said to reporters after the game. Um, that nil-nil draw at the Amex. These are his thoughts. Yeah, satisfied with it. I think it was probably a fair result. Uh, both sides had their moments in the game. I'm particularly pleased for us that we could keep a clean sheet because we haven't had too many of those. So that's a step in the right direction, especially against a team that plays as Brighton do and are particularly strong from, from set players and corner kicks. So I was satisfied with that. I think that we, we've got more in our locker. We, we showed it in, in patches. It was a bit disappointing that we couldn't extend those patches in the game because we we had moments in the final third where it was only a, a correct pass or a correct decision away from giving us a goal chance. But this is a derby game. It's away from home. It follows on a good victory for us on Saturday. It was important to come here and not lose the game so we could keep that little bit of momentum that we feel we're building up 
going. Um, it's an extra point along the way, away from home. And uh, I think, personally, that it was a, a correct result. But I understand nil-nil games are never too popular, so I suppose it's a bit unfair of me to expect too much jubilation amongst the, the media here tonight. It's nil-nils and nil-nils. You want to see lots of goals and lots of mistakes. We want to see no mistakes and clean sheets. No, we did defend well, and I think that, as I say, you know, with the firepower that we think we have in our team, with the quality we have in that front portion of our team, I think we could have done more. I think the players will agree with me; they they could have done more because the the opportunities were there. We we got ourselves into the positions, but we didn't uh, capitalise on them. But to be fair, it's a derby game, and they're defending well too. They, they they've got some. They didn't want to concede a goal either. So I suppose at the end of the day, it's a fairly logical outcome. Do you think the all the hype and excitement before the game contributed to being slightly less quality on the field? It could do. I mean, it's uh, the expectations for from both sets of fans are very very high. The players feel under pressure, and of course, when you get that sort of pressure, the the chances that you will take risks and throw caution to the wind, they diminish um, because you're so frightened that you're going to be the one that's cost your team a valuable point by making a, a silly mistake. So I suppose that could happen. But I think it was just one of those games, really, where both teams were, were quite strong defensively and both teams were very determined. But the game was played in a, in a, in a fair way. There was... It was competitive, that's for sure, but it, it never got out of hand and there were no nasty challenges at all. Well, a couple of bookings, was it, in the game? and That's not much in the derby. Right, can I get your opinion on Brighton? Are you surprised at how well they've settled into the league? No. Um, they did ever so well last year. They've got a very settled team. They've been together now for a good couple of years under under Chris Hewton. He's obviously moulded the team as he does mould teams. He's, he's very good at doing that. So... I expected them when they came up to be a very, very solid team, a very difficult team to beat, and a team that would would have goal threat, not least of all from the fact that they're so strong from set play. So for us coming here tonight, we knew what we had to do to make certain that we didn't go away empty-handed. As I said, a little bit disappointed that we couldn't capitalise a little bit more on the moments in the game where we had good possession. Okay, thank you very much, gentlemen. No ladies there, no. Right, welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast Extra Podcast here at the Amex. Yeah, it's uh, quite late at night. I'm still in my car. And uh, this podcast is sponsored by Miranda Jane Photography for professional, unique photography of weddings and more. Go to Miranda Jane Photography. .co.uk. Um, that was Roy there, and he pretty much said what we thought he said, that they, they came for a point, you know, we got the first away point, we got the first clean sheet, he sees it as progress. I guess it is Jesse in a way, isn't it? Like it is, It's building on those little bits where I'm beating in three now, like we are, we are slowly getting there, even if it's not the prettiest. Absolutely, I think that, I mean, sort of had visions of, I mean, sort of had a desire to get these back-to-back wins, as you've heard me rumble on about, but <laughs> I think that what, unbeaten in the last three or four? Yeah. Well, with Spurs getting in the way of uh, another point in a win against Chelsea. So, I think, you know, we've start, we've turned the tide a little bit. First clean sheet, can't yeah. be bad. Um, I do think we all had fears a month ago that 
I think I was skippy said it on the way here if a month ago if you'd offered us a point at, at Brighton we'd have snapped that up yeah. didn't want to didn't want to lose this game um, I think that's you know it's, we just got to move on from here I think we've got West Brom on Saturday Pardew's installed now apparently Pardew is yeah. getting he's getting the job so that's announced tomorrow I think so yeah it can't be bad can it you just uh just to state, being hard to beat and respecting the point and all those other cliches. I think respecting, it's all right. Well, respecting the point, I think, is exactly right. I mean, Palace definitely the happier the two teams get, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when we were walking up here, we were saying, you know, how do you think that game would have gone if Pardew had been the manager? I was talking about <laughs> West Brom sort of thing. And we were, you know, we we're harking back to the time where we lost 3-2 away at Burnley and, you know, losing, you know, 5-4 away at Swansea, two games that stick in the memory from last season. I think Hodgson appreciates when you know we're just gonna have to shut up shop and accept what we're gonna get from the game you know similar to what Allardyce did last last year um uh, and you know I think he recognized today that it was a big derby Uh, it's probably the must not lose game you know as much as we'd all want to win and we have visions of you know being the first Premier League team to win there and you know because we've broken so many other records here but you know, he's a he's a wise guy. He's been around a long time. He's accepted. That, look, you know, the last thing the fans want is a defeat yeah. at Brighton, sort yeah. of thing. You know, yeah. we'll keep a clean sheet. We'll shut up shop. Yeah. If we can hit them on the counter and get a goal, then then brilliant, sort of thing. But he set up that team not to lose. And yeah, you're frustrated because passing were going sideways when you thought you could attack. But looking back at it, you know, like I said, I'd I'd take a point of the horrors of today trying to get in like Jesse had sort of thing how about it be for those 400 fans that didn't get in to you know then have to travel all the way back knowing that Palace lost as well it was definitely a not lose game just finally a word for James Tompkins and I guess who we were saying before I I thought was the best player on the pitch second game in a row for me that he's been our best player he only came in because Dan screwed up against Everton but he's he's taken his chance hasn't he he showed good authority from what I saw and he doesn't play too deep I think Dan can sometimes just he obviously sits back to receive the ball for the keeper, but doesn't seem to to vary that. I think that he tends to sit a certain depth from from between the eighteen yard box and the centre circle. Whereas Dan, uh, sorry, Tompkins seems seems to get a little bit more involved, a bit closer to the midfielders, which makes it easy for him to locate Luca and Kabai. Yeah. I think we missed Kabai when he went off, and I think that they started to be a bit more authoritative in the midfield area. Mm. I don't know if that was an injury. It didn't look like he was hobbling. I'm not well, sure it was tactical or not. Watching him on Saturday where he pulled up after his shot and he was kind of limping oh, right. around. Okay. It, was, it was a knock and you think. But yeah, going back to Tompkins, I thought at the end of last season, he was our kind of saving grace alongside Sacco. An unsung hero, really, because obviously Sacco got all the plaudits. But um, watching him today, watching him lie on Saturday against Stoke, he just reads the game so much better uh, with Sacco alongside him. You know, He knows when to go for the ball, make a challenge, when to step off and let someone run in and make a tackle sort of thing. He, he doesn't make rash decisions, which when you've got you know an unnerving keeper potentially, um, Sacco isn't you know, he's a very good defender, but when sometimes when he has the ball, he doesn't make the best decision. You know, mm. just have that calming influence, knowing that if the ball goes to Tompkins, he knows whether to pass it wide to Ward or lump it forward, and he very rarely gets that mistake wrong. He doesn't yeah. try and do anything fancy. He does yeah. the simple things well. Yeah. Whereas Dan's Dan's got history, and it wasn't just last weekend. He's got history yeah, of sort yeah, of funny Sunderland little things where it was a mix up. Yeah, Aston Villa at home, where he gave it to Benteke of you all know, people, things like that. Hennessy did all right. You know, you've got to say that. He um, was commanding, pulled a f- couple of balls out of the air that you sort of would worry about normally with him. Yeah. Um, well, he kept our close first clean sheet of the season. Yeah, you've got to give it to him. And I think that Wardy looked all right, didn't too bad. They, they seemed, as, as the game went on, they seemed to put a few balls behind him. Yeah. 
uh, for a fullback to run onto, and he dealt with that pretty well. We gave away a lot of corners. Yeah. It started to feel a little bit like the inevitable was going to happen. Yeah, and there was one kid yeah. off the line later on from, from Murray, I think. Possibly. Murray, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But we're happy, boys. We'll take that, won't we? It's off a point, everything. you know, yeah. uh, and now we're going to head off to Prism in Brighton and do vodka shots. <laughs> so I'm happy. <laughs> Why else do we go down here? Good, uh, chaps. Thanks for very much for being on the Extra Pod. Thank you. Cheers, Eddie. Good stuff. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. I don't know if there's going to be an extra, a full pod this week because everyone's away, but we'll let you know. So this might be your only pod for the week, so enjoy it. Sorry. <laughs> um, keep following us on all the social media platforms at FYP Fanzine uh, for all the latest, and we will see you again very soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. Prime Day is coming July 11th and 12th with two days of epic deals exclusively for Prime members. You'll feel like a winner. Behind door number three is amazing deals. Deals from electronics to decor. It's on Prime Day. Sports Social Podcast Network.